Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The Nevers episode two. We're going to be getting into it today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be talking all about the episode, about our favorite moments. We might even have a special interview for you to check out as well. But let's get into it, shall we? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Touch Base, HBO's official podcast for the Nevers. We're so excited to dive into this week's episode. We have so much to discuss, so much juiciness. So much. We're your hosts. I'm Barbara Dunkelman. I'm Jessica Vasami. And today, you get me, you get Jessica, but also you get the lovely, incredible, magnificent Charlotte McGrath here with us, joining for the discussion today. Hello, Charlotte. Oh my God. Magnificent. I Magnific- was not prepared yes, for those adjectives. I had something <laughs> clever I was going to say, and my mind just cleared when I was giving praise. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Charlotte. I'm here. I'm so what excited up? to have you. I'm so excited to talk about the Nevers. I, yes, you're going to bring some bomb energy into this. I can't. I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on the show. For sure, I have. I have them. That's all. I'll, that's how I'll say this early in the game. Okay. <laughs> Charlotte, she has thoughts. That's going to be her lower third for this whole episode. <laughs> that's my brand. Just thinking. Um. Yeah. Episode two, you guys. That was that was a heavy episode. Was a lot to unpack in that episode. I know. I feel mm-hmm. like I need to watch it like four more times to really fully take in everything that happened because this show, it just it gives you the one two punch over and over of just like these bombshells it hits you with. It which gives I you love. the one two three four five six seven eight punch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> classic <laughs> classic move in TV shows. Yeah. No, it really it really goes hard pretty early for an episode two. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> I thought yeah. the same thing, actually. I was like, man, we are in episode two, and this is, we're just getting right down to it, which I love that, actually, yeah. because some shows, you know, you're just like, okay, it's, this is a slow burn. I get it. But this one is just like, we are in it, action-packed, and, you know, judging from our um, interview with Laura and Anne last week, it's we're going to be very satisfied at the end of uh, the six-episode season, so I'm very excited oh, for that. I love <laughs> All my satisfied. answers. Yes. Okay, so... Episode two, lot to unpack. So let's get into it with kind of like the highlighting of these big moments that we saw throughout the episode. First off, it starts with these two characters, one of which is Beth, who we Mm -hmm. find out very quickly that she is touched and she Mm -hmm. has this turn that I don't know if she can make things float or control objects or what exactly her power entails. But that kind of shocked me because it happened so like nonchalantly in the moment where you're just like wait that hat is floating what is going on here i guess she yeah she can make she can move objects um with her turn which i guess in ter- you know in turn is also making them float as well yeah. that's a pretty awesome turn as well yeah and we um, see how quickly everybody who realizes that she's been touched kind of turns on her and tries to 
attack her or capture her or something. So she even her friend, even her friend. She so she uh, she's on the run her. kind of right away in the episode, mm -hmm. and yeah, we find out that she has this fake flyer with mm -hmm. uh, Amalia's face on it. Yep, essentially yep. advertising. Yeah, for and, you know what they do, and they these people they have their own Lucy, like a redheaded kind looking mm. old woman you're right <laughs> I, tr I trusted Who answered the her door too. and i was like we're home yeah. yeah i trusted her and like those guys you know that were out front uh wearing the purple on their on their purple like armbands and whatnot armbands yeah yeah i i was just like okay so these guys are the bad guys oh thank god you know she she found safety yeah and then we see the masked men in there I, I, that, I did not expect that, honestly, and I was very upset when that happened. I know, me too. There was another moment like that, too, when she's on the operating table, and like we've seen what happens with that doctor and other patients, what with, you know, boring mm -hmm. into their skulls, and when he stops, because he gets that like notice from his assistant, I was like, oh, thank God, she's going to get rescued. Yeah. All good. <laughs> I was so concerned that something bad might happen. <laughs> and then we see the end of the episode and I was like, uh, oh, yep. no. I, I mean, at least at least she's still alive, which kind of gives me a little bit of hope that they could be saved and they could be okay eventually. But I just it's... wonder, like, is it is it the Beth that we knew from the beginning or are they oh, changed and different? You know, like a brain I, transplant. Yeah. Or something. Oh, I don't know. It just, I just got sad when I did see the way that she was acting towards the end, just very lifeless, you know, like dead eyes, just very like, and, and same with everybody else, kind of at that, they call it the sight, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if they have like an actual word for it, but they keep mentioning it as, it the, as the sight. But everybody else there was just very, you know, I'm picking up stuff, dead eyes, just like slowly walking, kind of like zombie-like in a way. Yeah. Very zombie-like, oh, yeah. I mean, homegirls lobotomized. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. I don't know if there's any Sadly. gray matter really left that's not dedicated to picking up and walking. And it sounds like everybody else that the doctor, I guess, has previously worked on is also just goes to this site and moves things. That I, I honestly don't know what they're doing there. I'm very curious to find out. But there are multiple people just like her there. And I'm wondering if that is, is kind of everybody that the doctor has worked on. Sadly. There's this one point where we find out that Malady's real name might be Sarah and that she has a nickname for Amalia, which is Molly. So I think there's potential that they knew each other previously and that they were maybe friends. And the Sarah girl used to call Amalia Molly as a nickname. What do you guys think of that? I don't know what to think of this. I am at a, at a loss. I, I was like, what is the snake that sheds her skin? Is she so... Malady think that's Amalia and I don't I don't know I, I mean this it is would make I... sense because in episode one uh, Amalia says, said something about how this isn't my real face yes and I so know. that would make sense that she was yeah. the snake for shedding her skin God, I what is wondering about that because but then <sighs> it seemed like Malady was kind of like seeing the dress get torn off and yes. was like associating that with her skin and so I'm like there was that other moment where she's like, oh, well, you also shed your friends, you know, like as in her uh, as in Malady or Molly previously. Um, and she was like, is she your new best friend now? Penance. Um, and then she used it, it uh, the whole shedding the skin with that, too. And so I don't know. I'm extremely curious to see how this pans out. If I had to guess, I would say there was maybe some type of friendship that 
Malady and Amalia had mm-hmm. previously. And yeah. now that Amalia is best friends with Penance, maybe there's some type of jealousy there or some type of um, expectation that Malady has where it's like, you, you know, you kind of let me go as a friend. You're mm-hmm. probably going to do the same thing to her. Whatever they had, it clearly wasn't going great because in the beginning <laughs> we see that one's being taken to an asylum mm-hmm. um, and the other one is drowning herself. So Yep. Something yeah. happened. What, You're right. I don't know what went down for Amalia to be like, actually, you know what? I got a rebrand. I got to add an A to the beginning and end of my name <laughs> and just kind of forget the old times. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I, I love, I love uh, flashbacks. I'm a big yeah. flashback fan. I get down yeah. with the flashbacks. Love it. I know. I I don't know. This one I just have. I don't even. I don't have any theories for. I'm just excited to s- see what happens with this. Just along right. for the ride, baby. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also really glad that we got confirmation that Augie is touched in this episode, too, because we were speculating last time about how he heard the song, too. And we're like, I wonder if, you know, if it's going to people who are only touched or people who are maybe pure of heart or something of that nature. Right. And he kind of confirmed right. it this episode that he is touched and he could either go into the mind of a bird or see through a bird, which is very awesome. It's almost like being able to fly without having to put yourself in jeopardy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I even He's just going burning through crows (laughs) while he figures out how to fly. Just like just running through. I'm like, I that that one didn't go so well. Poor little buddy. Yeah. I, you know how Anne in our interview in episode one, she was like, you know, Barb at the very beginning, you were like, um, you guys are the best characters. There's no other character that's going to come around that we love the most. And she's like, oh, no, you, you, that might change for you. In this episode, Augustus really did take my heart, especially in that um, scene with Penance. Oh, um, yeah. They were so cute. He was so sweet. He was, he was being vulnerable with her. And um I, I don't know. I loved it. And I even loved it when she had to unfortunately drive away too. And he had to watch her drive away in the crow. Yeah. As a crow. I know. Oh my God. Ugh. I know. This whole thing and the whole Frankie Mary storyline has introduced mm. something to this whole soup, to this gumbo, a key ingredient that I feel like mm. fits so well. And that's yearning. I just, that scene also with Augie and Penance. Also, like, it does this thing that so many shows do where I just want to yell at my TV and be like, Kate, just tell the truth to each other. Just say that your sister said this and that she feels weird about you guys being together, blah, blah, blah. Because now, obviously, Penance <laughs> thinks that Augie is just not interested in her or, like, d- wants nothing to do with her instead of just being upfront about, like, I like you, but conflict yeah. of interest kind of thing yes. going on here. I know. And I feel so hard for Augie because like I feel like he's caught in the middle he's such a complex character in a lot of ways because I feel like he's very gullible in a lot of ways yet vulnerable but also has to remain very much like a like a man of that error at the same time if that makes sense um yeah and he I feel like he's caught in between he's touched and he knows that and it's, it seems like trying to come to terms with it but then on the other side of that is like I guess real life the real world in the way of like with his sister and what mm-hmm. people look at him like and that's a hard place to be. Hard place to be. I was just gonna say that I appreciate that the performance is very crow-like. Like it, feel, it feels skittery and and, and love and, it. Yeah, right. Like that. Yeah. Not just At some point, he's that. gonna completely merge with a crow, like animorphs kind of situation. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Animorphs. A classic animorph. 
<laughs> it was the middle of the drawing, yeah, where it's like a beak, but yeah. with fingers. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just like very bird-like, which yeah. as someone who's been described as bird-like, I can, I can appreciate that. You can relate. <laughs> I can relate, yeah. I, I see myself represented. Well, Charlotte, have we got news for you? Uh, uh, we've talked a lot about Augie and Hugo. We have mm. a very special interview that we got to do with both of them, James Norton and Tom Riley. Hugo and Augie, respectively, that we're going to kick it over to right now. All right, everyone. Very exciting time we are in right now. We are joined by the amazing Tom Riley, who plays Augie Bidlow, and James Norton, who plays Hugo Swan. Welcome, boys. How's it going? Hi. Thank you. Hi, guys. It's good. Thank you. Great to have you here with us today. We are so excited to talk about the show with you. As a heads up, Jess and I have only seen up to episode two, so don't tell us anything yet. We want to watch along with everybody as much as we want to okay. pick your brains and get all the inside scoop. hundred percent. No spoilers here for us. No spoilers. Fair. Okay. Well, we have some questions that we would love to ask you guys. Uh, Tom, I'd love to start off with you. So um, Augie seems like he's very nervous about the changes around him. And unlike many who have already discovered their turns, he has only kind of just begun to realize that himself to a degree that he may be touched. Um, were you surprised when you realized that Augie was actually going to be a person with a turn? Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, it was there for me at the end of the first episode particularly in the script it was it was clear at that moment in the opera as he real as he looks around and realizes he's one of the few people who can hear the song um and uh, and there are the the other members of the audience who are just sat there oblivious to whatever's happening and he has that moment of connection with penance for me at the end of the pilot script that was the point where i realized oh okay this guy who seemingly like is is not revolted to strong a word but like is scared of the touched and thinks that something completely apart from him is actually one of them. Um, so yeah, it was a, for me, it was a great button at the end of the episode. And I think it's really interesting that for people watching it, they got, I, they, they maybe ended that first episode thinking, is he? Like, I think he, he might be. Yes. Rather than for me, where I was like, he, he is. He told me. He said it in the script. Okay. Yeah. Augie definitely touched. No questions yeah. asked, period. 100%. Well, I know when, when I was watching that moment live, I was like, oh, Augie hears a song. Augie hears a song. Does that mean something? What does that mean? Because I was yep. like, I mean, the obvious answer would be that these guys are touched and that's why they hear the song. But I never want to make assumptions with the show because I feel like what you think something is going in a direction of, it might just throw you for a loop at the next moment. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, only in episode two, and I feel like I've already seen some curveballs, so exactly. I'm ready for more. <laughs> exactly. There's more coming. Oh, I, I can only imagine. Uh, James, uh, question for you. Uh, Hugo feels kind of like the polar opposite of Augie in, in a few ways. You know, Augie's a little more reserved, a little more shy. Hugo, complete opposite in that sense. And yet they seem very close. They're good friends. What do you think it is about them that makes them such good friends despite those differences? I guess uh, there's a lot of history there. Like, you know, uh, like people with friends, people who you've known for years, there's a sort of bank of memories, which um, these guys were at school together. They boarded together at um, Eton or wherever it was that they were at school. So um, that, but I think also more, more sort of profound than that is that their differences are kind of what they are drawn to. The fact that they kind of complete each other, you know, they, they challenge yeah. each other. They, they bring one another into the, you know, out of their comfort zone. Um, I know like 
Augie, I think, probably f uh, fascinates Hugo because he's just the complete polar opposite. And I mean, not only does Hugo see an opportunity and realizes that he can exploit and you know manipulate his friend, but I think also deeper than that, there is something um, beguiling and peculiar about Augie. And similarly, I think I mean, don't want to put words in Tom's mouth, but I think Hugo for for Augie is is a way out of the kind of slightly calm, quiet, repressed life that he's. He's led and, you know, offers the alternative. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they kind of complete each other, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I, no, you're not putting words. I completely <laughs> agree. It's that's, the, it's that's the thing. He's like, for all Oggy's, like, reticence and, like, dithering, like, he looks to Hugo as someone that, despite the fact that, in theory, he's, he's, he, he's like, tutting about Hugo's choice of, you know, lifestyle. In actuality, I think Oggy wishes he had his freedom and his... Mm unbridled it's beauty so, it's so um, <laughs> it's, um, it's so fun playing the kind of tempt the tempter the, the the kind of corrupting influence it's so so lovely because you just i mean both hugo and james loves watching <laughs> augie slash tom just squirm you know the, the little moments where like, blowing blowing smoke into his face and he's kind of it's just just a complete delight i love it and it's so fun to watch too especially at the end of episode two when uh augie shows up to the ferryman's club with you and you have makeup on which i loved love by it. the way yes that was my and... that was my choice you know i, I actually I, I i pushed for that yeah the, well the, the makeup team are brilliant obviously they're amazing but i did kind of keep saying come on a little bit more let's have a little bit more it definitely works it, that makes yeah. me so happy get That's some so like great. fake lashes next time like go all out you know yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah love sure. it no, that yeah, that was great, and I, I did love that moment at the very end of episode two with with both of you. Um, uh, so, Hugo mentions that he and Augie are both like second sons. Can you talk about how you guys think that impacts slash defines their characters and perhaps the choices that they make? It's a it's a good question. I think it also speaks to your point about what like what connects them as much as 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 uh, what are the what their differences are. Um, yeah, I mean, Hugo is obviously in slight thrall to his brother, who we don't know much about, apart from that he was lost in Hugo's, something happened to him in Hugo's past. Um, and at the same time, Augie is is in thrall to Lavinia, who I, I think the, diff the only difference is that despite the fact that Lavinia is a woman and therefore at that time um, shouldn't necessarily be the person who inherits everything from their estate. I think Oggy accepts the fact that she's far more capable than he is and lives in an existence where he resents the fact that that's what's happened and he's been emasculated while also recognizing that he couldn't do anything that he's far more impressive older sister could do. So that's certainly the way Oggy sees it. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if, I think from Hugo, from Hugo's point of view, I mean, we, we, we sort of get that little hint in the in the club with Masson that that you know the um, the story of Caleb the, the the older brother died in a in suspicious circumstances and whether he was drowned intentionally or not and uh, obviously in the way that the Nevers beautifully does it just opens up this huge can of worms and asks massive questions without answering them. Um, cer yeah. Certainly, his brother was far more capable and and the kind of the shining the apple of his father's eye before his before their father um, went um, unfortunately very mad um but i think obviously that that leaves hugo with the very strange feeling of because on the one hand he wants to rebel constantly he's that you know younger brother who just wants to rip up this the establishment and set up a sex club and drink and take every drug and have sex with everything <laughs> thing in the world um 
Yeah. But at the, 2020. At the same time, <laughs> 2020. Exactly. Um, the Roaring Twenties, post lockdown. But also, he. I think the interesting thing about Hugo is he's conflicted because on the, at the same time, he's got this huge chip on his shoulder where he's just desperate to prove that he is worthy of his father. And, you know, he wants yeah. to take, he wants to eclipse the love which his brother stole. So I think it's, um, it's a very complicated uh wonderfully rich setup which i hope will you know i no doubt we're going to sort of delve into later on i mean personally i think any parent should be very proud of their son or daughter for starting a business it's a very hard venture <laughs> you know <laughs> so i you think know, make them very proud very exactly it does really well and you know there's that whole live to work work to live balance hugo loves his job i mean who how many of us can say that and we're exactly. very, I'm sure we're all lucky enough to say that, but Hugo certainly really enjoys what he does for a living. Which is Listen, great. if this doesn't work out for me, I might think about yeah. a career in that <laughs> yeah. path. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, so now that we, you know, we're two episodes in, we've seen a bunch of different turns on display in this episode in particular, including yours, Tom. Uh, is there any of them that have been your favorite so far? Um, that you would want maybe personally? I don't know about I, the thing about what's so good about so many of the the turns in the show is that, that they they that it's all swings and roundabouts that there's a, it doesn't you know the, everything positive about one turn is also has potential negatives as well so it's a little difficult to choose one that you'd be like that's the one because then you go oh no but then that would mean that but for for sheer comic effect and like enjoyment I really like Desiree who in, yeah. is just has just been introduced in episode two we love her too. Um, <laughs> And not just because yeah. Ellen like nails it, but like yeah. it's it's just it, there's so much potential in like just getting people to speak the the stuff they want to hide from everyone else, and you know obviously there's cons to it, and but like yeah. with <laughs> with just 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 for sheer entertainment value, I I love Desiree's turn. Particularly yeah, in it, particularly in England, where no one really says what they feel, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Buttoned yeah. up. Um, <laughs> I do love the idea of penances turn. I mean, that seems very most practical, probably quite a, you know, practical, you know, yes. um, but, but from someone, from the point of view who I would love to be more handy, uh, my <laughs> handy, is that a phrase used in America? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, if I was penance, that would be great. Well, actually, that's really funny because another question I wanted to uh, ask both of you is, uh, which of Penance's inventions that um, we've seen would you want most in real life? Oh, there's some really good ones coming that I, that I don't yeah, want the, to spoil. The glasses, the bright glasses, the thing that she, the shiner that shiner she throws. Awesome. Um, yeah. The little, the little, the little, that thing. Yes, the, yes. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. little baby helicopter up there. There's a couple um, of other ones that she shows in the second uh, episode, but she's like, it's just a prototype and it doesn't work. <laughs> but I, I hope it works soon. <laughs> yeah. I can't think, I mean, like you've mentioned, they're all so, they're all so good and they, and they all, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I like anything that looks small and explodes big. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. I mean, sure. who wouldn't, who wouldn't want that little go-kart and it's electric. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, how progressive is that? And um, it worked. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. I like would... It's a real, that really, they really oh, were wait. driving that around set. I do feel like I'm, I'm too socially awkward to ride in a car like that where I'm facing the driver directly. Like, I feel like I would have to not make eye contact the whole time just because I'm so socially awkward. <laughs> but you do understand that it's not like an Uber. 
Like, you know the person who's <laughs> yeah. driving with you. Listen, Tom, you don't know me, all right? I'm awkward <laughs> around my friends. I'm awkward around my family. It just it never it's gets been better. a year <laughs> in the pandemic. We don't know how to socialize I don't know anymore. how to make eye contact with people well, anymore. Who knows? Well, thank you, guys. Is there anything that you kind of want to leave us with, leave the fans listening with? Listening and watching, potentially, so. I mean, just that it's, if you're enjoying it now, it's about to get really good. Yeah. It turns, turns, I mean, without using the word turn, turns, it turns so many corners. It's, it's wonderfully unpredictable and oblique and yeah, stay with it. Awesome. It's wonderful. Well, we can't wait to see what happens and thank you guys so much for your time and we can't wait to watch the journey of your characters and the whole show progress and hopefully we'll be able to chat with you guys in the future. I hope everything, uh, yeah, you're staying sure. safe and healthy and all that stuff wherever you are and thanks for being Likewise. here. Thanks for having us guys. Thank you yeah, so much. Absolutely. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Well, all we could do is keep watching because I, there are so many questions we have, so many theories that are still up in the air. All we could do is watch episode three next week and see <laughs> where That's it takes us do. and if we get some clarity on some stuff. But uh, we actually have a little preview of the next episode that we're going to watch and react to. Ooh, can't wait. Give us some insight. Everyone keeps secrets. Every touched keeps a great deal more. I want you to join us at the orphanage. Is that the mission you're going on about? Mary brings in all the touch, and we overthrow the monarchy. Nothing that grand. All that small. Woo! Oh. <laughs> okay. Kicking in the door to my goddamn heart. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. Well, uh, I love where this is going. Yes. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Is is the woman with the fire in her hands, is her name Annie? Bonfire Annie? That's okay. Got it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Charlotte. Yeah. She was working with Malady before, and now it looks yeah. like she's uh, being okay working with Amalia, which I maybe guess making some deals. A, yeah, maybe a gun for hire. I don't know. I like someone with like questionable allegiances and morals. You yeah. Keep guessing, right? <laughs> Always entertaining. It adds drama, at? entertainment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe some backstabbing. So it's it's also very interesting to see this clip based on the fact that we know the next episode's title is Ignition, mm -hmm. and Bonfire Annie obviously has the power to wield fire. So mm. what's blowing up? What's getting set ablaze? <laughs> Everything and anything. I don't even know, but I'm scared. Hopefully, it's the relationship between her and Malady, and she goes with Amalia because. Malady's Malady's bad. <laughs> oh yeah, relationship in a bad way. Because I was like, "Ooh, our sparks flying in more ways than oh. one." But I don't think Ooh. so. It's, she seems to have taken her leave of Malady uh, because that <laughs> ship doesn't seem to be floating super well. <laughs> Man, yeah, I don't know. I, I, all it made me. I'm just super giddy and excited to watch episode three now. I know. I need it. I need yeah. it all. It, it looks like it. It. It looks like it pops off. Uh, yes. <laughs> which, which I'm into. All right, guys. Any last thoughts about episode two? I just wish I could see into the future of the show so I could know everything that's happening. Although I just, I, I love how they're keeping us on our toes and they're answering questions, but also giving us questions to ask every single episode, which I'm so appreciative of because it just keeps those theories going in my mind. I need to know how Amalia and Malady know each other. That is a huge yes. question of mine. I need to know what Dr. Haig is doing and how all these people are being affected. 
that's a big question on my and mind. the blue and thing I, at the end the, the right i can't believe we didn't even touch on that i know right yes <laughs> the whatever that thing is i need to know what that is too <laughs> what are you the- charlotte I didn't get to say this earlier, but I think my main takeaway is that I'm not a violent person, but if anybody so much as lays a hand on Primrose, I'm going to go absolutely nuts. I will protect her with every ounce of my being. Not that I think she needs it. Mm -hmm. I think she could toss someone into a wall and break all their bones if she really wanted to, but she's, she's not that. She's gentle. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. You were fantastic. Of course. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're enjoying the show. And everybody watching and listening, thank you for watching The Touch Base, HBO's official podcast for the Nevers. We'll see you next time. And make sure to tune in regular time next week. Subscribe to HBO YouTube channel. Follow the Nevers on Instagram, Facebook. Comment with your favorite moments from the second episode and stream the Nevers and The Touch Base on HBO Max. Thank you. Bye.